Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moonbeaming. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited for you to hear today's episode. It is with a very, very special guest, someone who I respect very much. Before we get into the interview, I really quickly want to announce the winner of this month's tarot reading every month. If you leave a five-star review, you get entered to win in a monthly raffle, a monthly sweepstakes. I don't know what the words are. Giveaway. It's a giveaway. A gift for me to you to thank you for being here. And that is a 30-minute free 99 reading with myself. This month's winner is Paul Fuga. Thank you so much for your beautiful review. It just makes my heart sing. All of your reviews make my heart sing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and being so kind. I'm so grateful for you. So Paul, please contact the studio and we can set up a reading for you sooner rather than later. Okay. This week, we have a special guest. We have the one and only Robin Rose Bennett. Robin Rose Bennett is a storyteller, writer, and herbalist. She's been offering classes in wise woman healing ways, herbal medicine, and earth spirit teachings since 1986 at herb conferences, festivals, clinics, medical and nursing schools, and most joyously outside with the plants. She is on the faculty of the New York Open Center and the Abor Vitae School of Traditional Herbalism and is the author of two meditation MP3s and the books Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines and Home Remedies, for a vibrantly healthy life. To connect with her, you can follow her on Instagram at Robin Rose Bennett, all one word. YouTube, same thing, Robin Rose Bennett. And of course, visit her at www.robinrosebennett.com. I have known of Robin for a really long time. I read her book, Healing Magic, a very, very long time ago, and it really helped me. I'm sure if I were to read it again today, it would also help me. I also have her other book of herbal remedies as well. Robin is a highly regarded, experienced herbalist. She has taught thousands and thousands of people. She is also a really kind, really inspiring person for me. She really exudes joy and really practices the disciplines of hope and openness and open-heartedness. And I feel lucky to call Robin a friend When we get together, we vibe. So there is definitely some vibing going on in this conversation. So you'll probably feel it. We talked about how grief and joy are part of the same spectrum and how to work with plant medicine 
to support us to move more towards joy and also be able to hold our grief. We talked about timeless wisdom and timeless practices that Robin comes back to again and again in her own life and what she teaches those who apprentice and our students with her. We also went in deep on a few separate herbs. We talked about violet. We talked about hawthorn. We talked about rose. We talked about rosemary and we talked about yarrow. So if you're a fan, like we're fans of those plant friends, stay tuned. They are definitely interwoven inside and throughout our conversation. So if you're a friend of plants, if you love herbalism, if you are going through grief, if you are looking to practice joy, if you want to hear about Robin's three rules for living in your purpose, stay tuned for my conversation with Robin Rose Bennett. I have the pleasure today to bring on someone who influenced me from a young age, who is someone who has so much integrity and so much wisdom. And I've been lucky to get to know a little bit over the last few years. I have the one and only Robin Rose Bennett. Hello. Welcome. Hello, Sarah. And you know, I'm your fan too. I'm just going to share so briefly the very, very, very briefest tiny little meeting story before we get into our chat. And that is a while ago, years ago, I reached out to Robin and I reached out to Robin with a mix of reaches, one of which was not so beautiful. I don't really know how to say it. I'm not going to get into the details. I am a direct and clear person. And Robin responded to a stranger, by the way, someone she never knew. She responded, first of all, because I also reached out out of like integrity and love and wanted to connect, of course. And she responded with such care and such compassion. I was immediately struck with the integrity of your communication and the wideness of your heart. And then I've been lucky enough over the last few years to connect with you here and there and get to learn a little bit about what you're working on now and what you're thinking about now. And I know that you have an exciting project. I do. I have um, completed a, a pocketbook beautifully illustrated by a local artist where I live, and it's called A Green Witch's Pocketbook of Wisdom, Big Little Life Tips. It's kind of a, a green witch Buddhist book, really, because it draws on the different aspects of my spirituality. And I found that I've been using it for bibliomancy, a word that I learned because I told someone that I kept opening it and seeing what I opened to. She said, you know, there's a word for that. It's bibliomancy. So I love that word. 
Did you know that word? I do. And I have been known to use it in my own ANSI and my own divination. Yeah, it's just so much fun. I love it with whether it's novels or it's this. So anyway, I actually did take the liberty of thumbing through the soon to be published, but not quite yet published book um, and asked just for a message for our time together. And I will share with you, I wish I could share with the audience the illustration because it's very beautiful. And I did this, actually, I have to tell you, Sarah, I did it a few days ago. And then I did one just now while you were introducing <laughs> me just to see. Um, I did that recently. I, I was doing the keynote for Northeast Herbalist Association um, last Friday night. And I opened to the same thing for them three times. And I finally accepted that was the message they needed. So for us, what I pulled to in the, the illustration is this beautiful young boy in a wreath of flowers and birds and such, and he's embracing the earth and the wisdom. So each page is, is one side is the illustration and the other side is like a, a line and then a little explanation. So the wisdom line is, as we come home to ourselves, we inevitably come together to create a healthy world. And the little explanation is when we are at peace inside ourselves, at home in our own skin, we transcend our sense of separation from others and realize we are one in infinite forms. Everyone, human and more than human, matters deeply. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you. So I'm so happy to share that with you. Is this book based off messages from plant friends or messages you've received through meditation or through writing? How did the origin and messages come to you? What was the sort of seed or the spark? Yeah, fair enough. It is a book based in my experience. Um, and my experience as a student of life, of spirit, of earth, for all these decades now. And it's really born of what has held up, what held true, what stands the test of time, what has expanded my life or the lives of my students or friends or family, right? So it's, it's what, what works, what really helps. So some things are from plants, some things are straight from dreams, some, yes, communications through spirit and meditation, and many of them are teachings that I've tried on or tried out. These are the ones that hold up. You know, and even I think about it through the COVID years, like what helped me hold center? What helped me be able to be alone and not lonely? What helped me be able to have a large container of joy in which even to hold despair and grief? That's what's in this book. I would love if you could just share right now, right here where you are, things that come to mind about how you were able to hold center, how you were able to harness joy. If you could just share a little, because what I've been hearing from folks 
And in my own life, I was just speaking about this to a friend and I last night literally was, you know, this, the, the kinds of tools that once worked aren't necessarily working in the same ways in these times. And I was, and this is, I'm only speaking for myself. I've heard this from other folks. Could you share some of your, it doesn't have to be for everyone. I just want to know about what, what has been working or what has been supporting you. True for me. Yes, I, I hear you. And I just have to laugh because I can share with your listeners and those listening to us that this, every time you and I speak, this happens. You'll be like, I was just talking to someone about that. So, and, or I say it, that's so fun. Um, so yeah, I think that's the thing is that's got me thinking about what tools are working, what tools are working because so many people were going, my tools aren't working. I'm adrift. And I felt so affirmed, you know, affirmed. So what, what is it? You know, I want to be clear that I'm not uh, saying this from any kind of pedestal. These are, we're all works in progress. You know, we're all works in progress. So, um, it has to, it boils down, for me, it boils down to earth connection. It boils down to going outside. If I can't go outside, let's say, imagine worst case scenario, a terrible accident or a, you know, a long-term illness, then bringing earth inside, whether that's through dried plants on your, on your bedside table or, but it's turning to the more than human for the more than human world nature we are nature but the in addition to the humans uh for guidance so for example i began to go to an oak tree regularly that's about 2 miles from my house which is funny because i have the forest right behind my house filled with oak trees but i discovered this grand old oak tree I've now talked about this oak tree in like every class and bringing messages from the oak to the, to the classes or to the clinic client. So I went to grandmother, grandfather oak. I did ask, are you grandmother, grandfather? And the tree said, yes. So I asked grandmother, grandfather oak makes perfect sense. And even, even something about this tree's location is so perfect for this incredibly chaotic bridge time that we're in. Um, and, and just going back one more step for a minute, Sarah, my worldview is that this time of chaos that we're in is evolutionary. And so by having this knowing that I, I call it the evolutionary chaos of now, that the framework of all of this, the, the misery inducing things, the beauty inducing movements, all of it, is all part of this evolution right there that helps me, right? Because it's an expansive picture. I believe it's also true. Um, I'm not looking to create pretty lies. I'm really, I see, you know, people will write to me often and say things like, I really want to believe magic is real, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, that's fine. But the, the deeper truth is, reality is magic, right? Not that magic is real, but reality is magic. So I would turn to the things that bring me home to that. So I'd go to my tree and I'd ask for guidance. I'd ask for counsel. 
And one of the things that will definitely influence me forever is when the tree said, joy is medicine. Honestly, I can't remember anymore if that was during COVID or not, but that guidance became very profound to me. Um, so the other thing is uh, connectedness with the elementals. This to me is a tool. I mean, it's so much more than a tool. It's a, it's a sacred practice, but we can call it a tool. Learning to divine my own relationship with air, fire, water, earth, below, above, and what I call below, above in the center of love, great mystery in the center, or the womb of the goddess, whatever we want to call it. To me, that is one of the biggest, biggest pieces of the puzzle. Because when I go out in the morning and I say my invocation to the elements and the earth and the sky and the center, I was putting myself in direct touch with the reality under the drama of the day. In no way making, trying to make less of the drama of the day, right? But just saying it is the drama of the day and then there's the eternal. These were things I was doing before, during, and will do if God is pleased. There is a time after COVID, right? So that would be, you know, in putting it in like really, um, uh, small definition terms, that would be a tool that served me throughout. The other thing I want to touch upon with you is before we hit record, I shared with you that you're one of the people who really does exude joy. You really do exude enthusiasm. And also, I, I think sometimes people will make assumptions about joyful people or calm people as if nothing has ever shattered their reality or no harm has come their way. And I know exactly. without getting into the specifics, I know that that is not the case for you. You know, like every other individual and human on this planet, you've had high highs and low lows and everything in between. And I was hoping you could share a little bit about whether you've come across practices, because what I've been really leaning into is the fact that, and this is not natural for me. I mean, I think it was natural for me as a child. I know that sort of protecting my joy became a kind of coping mechanism that I'm working on unraveling as an adult. And I'm trying to bring more joy into my life. And like every day, right? Like I've been realizing I've, I've had a sort of either or relationship with joy. Like I've sort of, you know, oh, joy's like the reward I get, or I can only be joyful in certain circumstances or, you know, and, and really understanding more than ever on a embodied level. It's like you say these things, you hear these things, you understand intellectually these things, but embodying that joy, love, pleasure, it's a, it's a practice. It's not something that's just going to fly in. It's something we have to diligently practice. And I was hoping if you could share some practices that you have to summon joy and to embody joy. Mm -hmm. One of the other pages in the wisdom book is almost everything worthwhile takes dedication and practice. 
And I think that my way of doing that or, or helping others to come to that is less direct than what you're saying. It's less direct than summoning joy. It's discovering like, wow, like recently there was this incredibly moving moment in an apprentice circle where one of the women was sharing that she never went hiking alone. I mean, I'm going to make her story like cut it to the chase, right? But one day she did it finally. And off she was going off by herself in search of her plant, right? And all of a sudden she said she stopped cold. I could cry just telling you this right now. And she said, this is what joy feels like. This is joy. I've been miserable and I didn't even know it. Right. And we were all like in tears. And so I, I think it's just that it's, it's what when I'm doing this, do I, does my heart expand? You know, and it's never going to be one thing. And there's different kinds of expansion, right? Like maybe you're helping a friend and your heart feels good because you know, you're actually making a difference for that person. But in the purely personal, it's, you know, we go back to like, what is your bliss? What, what makes you, what, what makes your heart? Mm. And, and it's not an either or. It's so, it so is the natural birthright of being. And it, grief is contained within it. I had, um, oh, this is so intense and, and so personal, but I, I'm getting the call to share it. I was asking inside a minute ago, should I do that? And it's like, yes. Yeah. So I got some really shattering news about someone I love, right? And I was reeling with this news of a diagnosis, right? And I went to my oak tree and I was really off balance. I didn't, I don't even know if I asked anything. I was just like, ah, and, um, and I got a vision. I mean, and really, this was a kind of vision that I don't, I wouldn't say this kind of thing happens frequently, right? This was, whoa. And it was a vision and, a, and words. And the vision was this giant golden container, like huge container. And as I looked up at it, this one tiny drop came from above and very slowly fell down into it. And I heard grief is one drop in the enormous bucket that is joy. And it's still blowing me away, right? Because when I'm grieving, grief feels like the biggest energy there is, right? It feels like it's all there is. And yet this picture was so real. And it was like one teardrop falling into an ocean. So I feel like I was given this massive, enormous gift, and I'm sharing it. Thank you for that. That was really lovely. I'm really glad that you did share that piece about grief because it is such a front of consciousness experience and emotion during these times and 
personally, I don't think we talk about it enough. Yeah, I think it's a sacrament. I mean, I think being willing and able to grieve fully and freely and for as long as one mm. needs to or in whatever spiraling ways it arises again and again is, again, what enables that container of joy. It holds it, but you can't hold it if grief is being repressed. And so plants also, you know, it, rather than tools in a way, it's almost like what gifts mm. serve being in one's joy? What gifts serve being in one's truth or sense of interconnectedness, right? Because that's the other thing. If someone doesn't feel that mm. sense of oneness in many forms or of interconnection with air and animals and birds, it's so horribly lonely. And I feel that this kind of indigenous worldview, which is very much akin to a green witch worldview, is a, a way of being that serves joy, that serves love, right? And love of life, right? Because really, in a way, when we talk about joy, we're talking about how do I love life again? You know, and when you said it was natural to me as a child, but not so much, you know, I, when I began to protect myself, which of course I understand. But, you know, I go back to if it was natural to me as a child, then it's natural to me. And all I need to do is take off a couple of more overcoats and it'll be right there. You don't have to create it. It's there. And that, that has been my experience as well. And when I say my experience, I can't help it. I'm also referring to working with so many people over such a long time. A couple of questions have to bring in some of our plant friends. One, yes, was please. there the story you told with the person who was experiencing a deeper spectrum or facet of joy? Was there a plant friend they were in search of or they were working with? Well, yes, there was. But last year, it was a different plant friend that opened her to heal serious trauma that she had never even told her husband. So it's not, don't get caught up in that, it's the one plant. That's why I'm saying that. But her first year ally was Violet. And Violet is an excellent one for anybody for melting the armor around the heart. That's what Violet excels at. I, I like to have like an ally uh, with each element. So for me, Violet is my water ally, right? That soft, melty ally. But in that story that I told you, she was going for her ally of now, Goldenrod. She was going in search of Goldenrod. Interestingly, Goldenrod's genus name, Soledago, means I make whole. W-H-O-L-E, I make whole. But I've watched The Apprentices over the years. Oh, it's so beautiful. Whichever plan has chosen them or they've chosen to ally with for that year brings them exactly the medicine that they need, right? Brings them exactly what medicine they need for, whether it's for mind or heart or body or, you know, and we divide them up, you know, just to talk about it. Obviously, it's all of course. working together, right? But, but the other thing is, so because your question from the very beginning, you know, keeps echoing for me is, uh, and this is not the easiest thing for me, is to uh, do things that get me out of my head and into my body. 
that's very important practice for me. And I think for a lot of people, right? Because the body likes, is just natural for joy, right? Dancing or yoga or walking outside. But especially for me, it's dancing and not, not any kind of specific, you know, I mean, I love it all, belly dancing, whatever, whatever. But for me, it's just putting on some funky music and going for it. What have been some reoccurring plant friends for grief and joy, joy and grief? I know we can't just pick one, but just some things that have coming up for you, you know, with, with yourself or others. Yeah. Yes, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm in process of making a recipe for a friend who just lost her sister. And what will go into it, and I'll tell you why, will be um, hawthorn. Really, hawthorn is an amazing tree. It's an amazing plant of for the heart, physical, emotional, and spiritual heart. Right. And I, I discern the difference between the emotional heart and the spiritual heart as the spiritual heart is that part of us that is what I was just talking about before, heart connected to, to all and everything. The emotional heart is more like our, you know, our relations with one another, who we love, who we, who we care for and care about. So Hawthorne, all parts, berries, flowers, leaves, all of this is heart medicine and really a great medicine for almost anyone in the time that we're in because Hawthorne strengthens the heart and also helps um, strengthen the, the vessels that carry the blood, right? The arteries and the veins. In addition, in when I'm making medicine with Hawthorne, I'll put a thorn in, not like in the little bottle. I'm going to give this one person, but in the, in the big, thing where I'm going to pour it off from, that will have some of the hawthorns in there because hawthorn is a plant that helps us to say yes to things that make our heart smile and helps us say no to those things that we really need to learn how to say no to, right? Whether to anyone out there or especially to maybe people we love and want to please, right? All of that stuff. So hawthorn is absolutely in there. Another great one that will be in there will be roses and particularly the blossoms. The blossoms just are heart medicine. I mean, there's so much more than that, actually. They also help our liver, right? And so in the liver is where, you know, our anger can manifest stuff. Rose also helps the kidneys, which is where fear is, right? In part in the body, at least in Chinese medicine, they say that, you know, that's more the hips, but still all of Rose just opens the heart. Rose opens the heart to healing. I will feel into what's going to help this particular woman best uh, because, you know, one of the first things I learned and that I've been learning ever since my initial studies in herbalism when I was in my 20s um, is, you know, you don't, you don't treat a condition, right? You, you take care of a person. And I don't treat a person because that's not my paradigm for what I do. I feel like an ambassador between the people and the plants. Like, or I'm, you know what? I'm a matchmaker, just like matchmaking up that person and the plant that's gonna, they're gonna love each other. It's a good job. It's a good gig. I'm really glad I got it. But the two plants I turn to frequently 
in times of grieving, in times of loss particularly. That could be loss of a beloved, but it could also be loss of a innocence or loss, you know what I mean? It can be so many things, disillusionment with your government, you know, whatever, whatever. Violet, which I mentioned before, is really helpful. This is the one that too, if you need to cry, Violet will help the tears come. I also think about Violet as the one who helps us melt rage when that rage is there to protect us from our own grief. So a lot of us need Violet. Oh boy, didn't you just get a whole bunch of truth bumps? I did. That's why I'm not talking. I am like, I need Violet. (laughs) I'm like Violet Leaf, Violet Root. The minute you said that, I was like, wow, you know. Especially the leaf, especially the leaf. It can be the flowers too, not particularly the root for this. You want the leaves or the leaves and flowers. Many herbalists work mostly with flowers. I, for whatever reason, have always worked mostly with the leaves. So, but you can't go wrong. And then the other herb I love, love, love uh, for grief and joy, right? Because they're both for both, right? Because it is a continuum. It's not grief or joy, right? It's like the yin-yang is linden, linden blossoms. And linden works differently than violet. Linden, especially when there's in death, this is my experience of it. Linden opens the doorways between the realms. And so it helps you feel experientially how you're still connected to that person you lost, that you're still in connection spiritually and that that part is not lost. So Linden is beautiful for that. And, you know, here we go. Both of, I always look for, Sarah, this is so important. I always look for the there to be a physical mirror in the physical medicine a plant gives to my experience or understanding of the spiritual or emotional or mental medicine the plant gives. And for me, that keeps it grounded and real. So what I hear you saying, I'm glad you brought this up because I just brought this up in my protection magic class where the example I gave, and we can apply this to any plant, the example I gave was yarrow and helping to both protect a sensitive person energetically while while keeping the ability to be sensitive and open. And what I used as an example was Yarrow's stalk is very strong and very sturdy, so much so that when the flowers die, you know, the stalk is often still upright. And the constellations of the flowers themselves create the structure of like a net or a weaving so that it's like safe for their little lights and their little buds of life to be bursting, but separate, but together. Am I making sense when I'm talking about the physical appearance, you know, of a plant and how that might be translated into some of the ways we can collaborate with the plant? And of course, the perfect example you gave was rose, the thorn. The, the gorgeous, fragrant flower that humans are drawn to magnetically. And if you don't, but if you don't regard that rose with care and consideration, you will 
potentially get hurt. Oh yeah, we all we all bleed. We all bleed working with roses, right? It's true. It, yeah, no, I love what you're saying. I was I was working, you know, the picture, the image, and to add one more thing, right? So you added one more thing to what I was saying, and now I'm just going to come back once more with an affirming addition to what you were sharing in your class, which is so here we have yarrow that you're working with for magical protection. You're looking looking at physical characteristics of the plant that give you this impression. And then if we look at the actual medicine, here's this plant that is an indispensable wound healer. Right? And so you are using it to keep from being wounded in a sense, you could say, right. So there's that physical and spiritual mirror. Yarrow is also anti-infective, right? So it protects the body, you know, from bacterial infection. So that's, that's the kind of mirror I mean, where you can literally look and say, okay, rosemary for remembrance. Oh, guess what? Rosemary helps the central nervous system and the brain. So rosemary literally helps memory even as it's poetically, metaphorically, right? And to me, I love to think in metaphor. I, I just, symbology comes naturally to me. I, I love to see it that way. So like you talk about the rose thorns and then Hawthorne's thorns are even bigger. And Hawthorne's fun too, because the flowers are super sexy. They're like pure musk. The fragrance is some love it and some are turned off by it. It's intense. Right. So it's sort of, I always say like Hawthorne's like, come hither, come hither, come hither, except for I have giant thorns. So come hither nicely, come hither the way I invite you to. You don't just come at Hawthorne. As you're talking and I'm, you know, vibing with you as we always do, I'm also imagining that Hawthorne could really be a plant that helps one with self-respect oh yeah you know and understanding that we require a level of care and self-respect because it requires us to respect those thorns and and to respect the the strength of the plant hawthorne is so all about that so all about that totally and really i think that the invitation from the plants is to come into ourselves ever more fully, like really bring back, bring back. Sometimes if I'm doing, I do um, a seven directions moving meditation, right? So that the invocation to the directions is also in my body. And that came through Seneca people, through Twyla Nitsch. Yeah, we know two wolves who taught it to, uh, oh, give me your name. She goes by White Feather. She was adopted by the Seneca Anyway, so she taught many people this, this movement. I think it's online as well. And, you know, sometimes I'll do it as a, as a prayer for the children of all species. Sometimes it's for the forest. Sometimes it's for myself. Sometimes it's for you. You know, whatever. Sometimes it's for people who protect the water. All different ways of making that sacred dance, um, like a dedicated. But one day I remember not too, too long ago, just finding myself in every direction it turned, I said, come home, come home, come home. And I didn't even really kind of get until a little bit into it, like that I was saying to any part of myself that I have cast out 
either through, you know, rejection, being told it wasn't acceptable, or because I felt that I needed to in order to be safe, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And it was a very spontaneous, organic, just come home, come home, come home. And it was so beautiful. And I, and I really do feel that, and you see it when you see it in a person too, when they are really in themselves, they're walking with their protection. That's an additional way to think about it. The idea of boundaries, because it's tricky because we're in such a time of separations and, you know, there is an aspect of boundarying that I know this could be heard the wrong way, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's an aspect of it that is illusory. If COVID taught us nothing else, can it be that? We're all breathing the same air. We're all, you know, molecules in this soup of life together, which is not to say we don't need to have our sacred space, which is not to say we do indeed need to know where we end and another begins because we've signed on for this play. We've signed on for these costumes, right? But it's also helpful to remember that it's both and. I trust that the listeners will understand the nuance and contextualness of what you're saying. I wanted to ask you about something that you shared in a recent newsletter. I'm just going to quote you. Nature and the healing plants are the magnificent healers and teachers who can guide us back to our hearts and to what I currently consider the three essential steps to personal and cultural transformation. They are become who you came here to be yourself, share your gifts, trust life. Robin, I agree. And these are all potentially easier said than done. (laughs) No kidding. Absolutely. They're they're worthy though, right? These are worthy practices. I think that number two is easier because if you're doing number one, if you're if you are in action of becoming yourself, your gifts begin to grow and develop and flow from you. That's a more effortless part if you're really tending to number one, which is becoming yourself, which as far as I'm concerned is the great purpose of life, is to become who you came here to be, because then you will do what you're here to do, right? I I never thought I was one of those people who'd be lucky enough to, to find what I was supposed to do. I always thought I'd be, you know, dabbling this, that, this, that, this, that forever, but I was really fortunate um, to come to see that becoming myself was my primary path and that everything else would, to me, what I've seen now, again, not just for me, but for everyone I've worked with closely, is that the sharing of your gifts is like the exhale that follows the inhale, right? The inhale is, show me who I am, who am I really, what makes me come alive, right? And so this requires listening. 
Right. So the, the when you say uh, easier said than done, you didn't say it that way, but it's true. Yeah, well, no one said it'd be easy, first of all, but that's another thing. It requires that all-important thing of slowing down, of slowing down. We cannot live the way we're, we're taught to live in the present moment in our culture and come to these deep places of inner knowing. Not possible. It's just not. So that's a certain sacrifice, right, that has to happen, a certain pulling away from the rhythm of the culture, which frightens us, right, because that, oh, I've got to be accepted. But we so need to move past that and and create the new cultures, right, of how things are. And then the trust life is a more recent addition for me because it dawned on me that Without that, and that was that was a hard one place for me. I spent many years. I can't. I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm not going to do the math now to see if I've been more years trusting life or, or more years not trusting life, right? But I didn't. You know, substantially long time didn't really particularly want to be here, right? It's just like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. You know, it's just too hard and how people treat each other and it makes no sense to blah, 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 blah. So trusting life has to go deeper than that. And that brings me right back to earth connection, right back to connection with the part of nature that's not the humans, right? And the other gorgeous thing that happens, and I've seen this really across the board too, is that the deeper our relationships with nature become, with plants and trees, it improves our relations with other human beings. We become more ourselves and therefore more able to relate uh, fully to other people. It's just remarkable. Um, so, but yeah, trusting life is something that I think is very important right now. Like, like I think there were in times past, I don't think we had to talk about this. Right? Of course, people trusted life. Right? Life was good. I'm not saying there was no, there weren't problems, but it wasn't like now. Now you're making faces. They can't see you, but I can. So speak. Tell me what you're thinking. I am going to respectfully agree to disagree with that. I don't know that life was, was always good. I think you know, we're not a monolith. So I think that for some people, it was better or different. For others, it was not so great. But I guess what I'm picking up on what you're saying is, you know, you being someone who's been on the planet for a little while, and you being someone who is sensitive, you are picking up on the intensity and some of the more extremes of this time in some spaces, yeah? Well, yeah, and when, I, when I'm talking about trusting life as a more common way of being, I'm going way back. I'm going way, way, way back. I'm talking, you know, village life around the fire, people supporting each other, people knowing that there was community, mm. the wealth that is community. You know, and you can hear someone contemporary today, like Vandana Shiva, talk about how that was the very thing that kept the entire movement going that helped them fight off Monsanto, right, and save the seeds. Because 
all the people involved, she said women, all the women who were involved, they just kept bringing each other food throughout the long years of that action to make that happen. So it goes back to the community. And there's so much isolation and alienation now, it's harder to trust life. But whether what I said is true or not, maybe I can clarify what I'm saying is I'm saying the big thing, like trust the cycles of death and rebirth. That's really what I'm saying. When I say trust life, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like when I lost my partner and, and was in despair and I heard the trees say, Robin, everything lives and everything dies and everything lives and everything dies. That's what I'm referring to in terms of trusting life and where there was, I believe, and you can disagree, of course, a more intrinsic acceptance that the cycles were as it is meant to be, you know, as it is here on earth. And I love the wisdom that death is not the opposite of life. The opposite of death is birth. Life is both, right? Life is all of those, right? And all the others in betweens, you know, the growth and the decay and the... So when I say trust life, that's what I mean. It's the big, you know, the big cycles. And then, of course, we have within those giant cycles, we have the moon. Right. Your friend and mine, your teacher and mine, right? The moon. All of our friends, all of our friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I could just, you know, talk or not talk for hours, as they say, which we do. <laughs> this feels like a really nice place to wrap up. I really wanted you to share about any offerings you have coming up in 2023, anything you're excited about, maybe you have some more information about some projects of yours that might be making their way into the world. If you wanted to share about all of that where folks can find you, I would love for you to please share. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, first of all, I do want to say I am really honored and delighted to be included in the moon the Many Moons book this year, the 2023. I'm so glad. You're one of my teachers and you're you're an important person to me and you're an important person to so many. And it feels like a major honor that you said yes and you took the time and the energy and the heart to to share and also to be here now. You know, I really thank you. I really respect you and I I really value you. And your your book was really important for me and I know for, you know, tens of thousands of other people. So it just feels really, it feels really special that mm. you were included and you said yes and just thank you. Thank you. And it's it's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. So you're talking about healing magic. And of course, my other book is The Gift of Healing Herbs, which has a lot of recipes in it. And I probably... The two things I'm super excited about right now are that I did finish my novel and I am seeking a, a publisher or an agent. Um, that's in progress. And the, the pocketbook, I am pretty sure I'm going to just publish myself because the process of publishing is so long, right? When you do it conventionally. And I am under contract though writing. Oh, you'll love this. 
I'm under contract right now writing a, like a, a kid's version of the book that connected us in the first place of my healing magic book. So I'm writing a young green witch's guide. I love that. Do you know, do they, do you have any idea when it might be coming out for folks? Yeah. Yeah. They're still saying like supply chain issues, yada, yada, yada. So it's like, it's due very, very soon, but it won't be coming out until spring 24, which feels like forever, right? Forever. So, hmm, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to learn from you about doing it myself because wow, I'm patient, but that's just too long. But anyway, that's what it is. There's pluses and minuses to both. Of course. And uh, I really got excited about offering apprenticeships online. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know it was possible to make it experiential. And I learned that I'm, I'm good at it, that I create community even through the magic of the Zoom portal. So I'll be doing more of that this year, probably at least one course again through the Shift Network. And who knows what else, but yeah, so people, if you want to stay in touch with me, the best way to do that is to go to my website, robinrosebennett.com and sign up for my newsletter because that's where you'll learn about anything I'm offering. But my newsletters are definitely not just come to this class or that class. They're filled with stories, rituals, recipes, uh, et cetera, et cetera, spells sometimes. So, and you know, I have all the, all the things that are now usual, right? Instagram and YouTube and la di da. I made four reels today, Sarah. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> no, that was fun actually. But yeah, so I'll be offering, I do a combination of online and in person. So I still am doing in person weed walks and classes, but uh, definitely my online things are, are something I'm excited about, you know, because then there's people from all over the world, which is, it's, it is exciting. It is exciting. And of course, folks can pick up Robin's books. They are incredible and sign up for your newsletter and all of the things. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a delight and a pleasure as always to get to spend time with you. You as well, for sure. And, you know, I like to say like, you know, We'll all like drink a cup of tea together and talk about what we're drinking. So I, I make it physical, even though we're in the, you know, in the energetic world, um, as hopefully, well, maybe you and I did that a little bit today. I don't know. I, I mean, so. we definitely were, you know, we definitely were energetically connecting as well as we always do. So hopefully listeners can feel that. And uh, I'm just wishing you a beautiful day. And thanks again. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for you and what you do. Okay, babes, that was it. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully it gives you some resources and some suggestions. I definitely ran, not walked, to cut some violet. I was like, oh yeah, I need that. That's a full body yes. And I really am attempting to practice joy every day. So maybe after this here podcast, you put on some funky tunes, you think about me and you think about Robin, you do a little dance, you put a little booty shake in it, and you connect to your joy. Have a beautiful week. Until soon.
拜拜。